It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast presented, of course, by DraftKings, the place to play DFS and to place your bets. For that matter, I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. A lot of you know this. You can check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on social. We are at Ross Tucker pod, and he is at FG underscore Dolan. He is the fantasy gangster. He's an absolute stud. I take so many notes during the show because he's a veritable treasure trove of information. This is the show that's so nice. We do it twice. We'll do the Thursday nighter, all the Sunday one o'clock games here in episode one. Episode two, which will be in your podcast app by the time you wake up on Thursday. We'll have the Sunday late games, Sunday nighter, Monday nighter. As we're starting to get into fantasy crunch time here, With buys and stuff, this is the show you should listen to or watch. Fantasypoints.com, using code 22FEAST, is the place you should go for additional information. Joe is rocking, for those of you not watching on YouTube, an epic Phillies hat on today's show. I love it. Joe knows his audience. Joe knows the assignment. Joe knows what to say about the Eagles and the Texans. Since Thursday night, yeah, the uh, the uh, I, I I don't know what it what we finally found what it would take for Philadelphia to not pay attention to an undefeated Eagles team on a Thursday night football game, and it's going to be the the Phillies playing in the World Series at the exact same time. Um, Ross, the Eagles are two touchdown favorites in this game. The Texans stood pat at the trade deadline, did not trade Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, clearly not happy about it. He had a cryptic tweet, as wide receivers are wont to do. Um, apparently was a big Jack Easterby guy. Um, his No team wanted to take on his contract. I don't know if Brandon Cooks is going to play in this game. Just pray for Davis Mills, because this is going to be brutal. I mean, I, I think Damian Pierce is probably somebody. It, it, I mean, you probably have to play him if there is a weakness to this eagle defense it is on the ground jordan davis is going to be out for a couple of weeks uh with the high ankle sprain um and i don't think houston's going to be able to do anything but try to run the football it wouldn't shock me if houston doesn't gain 200 yards offense in this game it is going to be bad um jalen hurts is continuing his mvp campaign ross you know how you know how philadelphia gets right even when even when things are going good, you got to find something to complain about. And one of the big talking points with the Eagles is there's there's been two. Number one, they're not putting teams away enough in the second half, which is fair. Um, I, I think a little misguided, but fair. The the other one that I thought was just ridiculous was, well, Jalen Hurts is running for too many touchdowns. He's not throwing enough. So what did he do against Pittsburgh? He threw four touchdowns, all of them of twenty five or more air yards. Um, he ran just twice for 10 yards. Jalen Hurts is doing it all. This is a matchup where you start your Eagles and especially Miles Sanders. Houston has gotten crushed on the ground the last two weeks by Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry. Miles Sanders isn't Derrick Henry. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for a buck 25 in this game. Anything to say on the Texan side? You kind of said it about Pierce. I mean, that's about it, right? And I mean, look, if Brandon Cooks plays, if if, if he's not, if he's not, uh, the, the, what's, what's the term du jour, quiet quitting, uh, which I don't think means anything. I think that just means bosses who are upset. You don't like work 80 hours a week when you're paid for 40, but Brandon cooks, uh, he might be loudly quitting right now. And if he does play, he gets the NFL's best perimeter corner duo in Slay and Bradbury. Good luck, Texans. The chargers are in Atlanta four and three against four and four, Joe. So here is one name I really want to bring up um, as it comes to the Atlanta Falcons. If he is out there, look to see if Cordaro Patterson is available. The Chargers run defense has been really bad. Over the last five weeks, only the Chiefs have allowed more fantasy points per game above average to running backs, above above their opponent's average to running backs than the Chargers have. So... Um, the Chargers have been really getting kind of kind of hammered on the ground. Um, all of Ken Walker, Nick Chubb, and Damian Pierce have run for over 100 yards and a touchdown over the last five weeks against the Chargers, with Chubb and Walker scoring twice apiece. So if Patterson plays, Patterson, remember, he was averaging 5.9 yards per carry before the knee injury, and he has a better yards before contact per attempt than either Tyler Algier or Caleb Huntley, which suggests he has better vision. That is a name I am really interested in in this matchup. Go see if Cordero Patterson is available. Now, on the flip side, with the Chargers, the availability of their wide receivers is critical. Keenan Allen was not 100% before the bye, didn't play a full snap share, didn't play in the second half uh, in their last game before the bye. Mike Williams is dealing with the high ankle sprain. So Joshua Palmer, another guy that he he had to be picked up. It, it Maybe your, your league fell asleep. Maybe he's still out there in your league. You've got to pick up Joshua Palmer based on the potential availability issues for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams in this game. Um, so a little bit of a downgrade here for Justin Herbert. But again, Atlanta's secondary has had problems. AJ Terrell's been banged up. Casey Hayward's on IR. They just traded for Rashad Fenton. Um, from from the Chiefs uh, to try to to bolster that secondary. It's a good matchup for the Chargers' offense, especially for Austin Eckler. The red-hot Miami Dolphins are in Chicago to take on Chase Claypool okay. and the Bears, Joe. So I think, Ross, since uh, the trade deadline was yesterday, I think for uh, some of these teams, there were seven um, – skill position players who changed teams at the trade deadline. So I feel like for the teams that, that, that made those moves, we should probably for the focus, break down the trade and the chase Claypool one. First and foremost, let me just give my little bit of an opinion. I think it was an overpay. I flat out think based on the way chase Claypool has played this year, I thought it was an overpay for the Steelers. Um, I mean, for the bears, you're given a, a, a potentially early second round pick for Claypool who uh, has been in Mike Tomlin's doghouse. It's been pretty evident that the Steelers are not happy with him. Even though his production has been better and more consistent in recent weeks, the Steelers were still shopping him. I don't blame the Steelers at all for this trade. The Bears, though, they've been looking for wide receiver help since Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall were in town. So I'm not shocked that the Bears made a move for a wide receiver. But here is the takeaway. When I dug into the data at Fantasy Points, at Fantasy Points data, I'm actually mostly intrigued to see how this affects Darnell Mooney. 
And here's why. Darnell Mooney has run a route from the slot about 58% of the time this year. He's been the Bears' primary slot receiver, which you might not know. Um, But Darnell Mooney has been far more effective outside than inside. He averages 2.84 yards per route run from the outside, which is 10th best among all wide receivers with 50 or more routes. And he averages just 1.12 yards per route run from the slot, which is 85th best among wide receivers. Chase Claypool in the interim has run the second most slot routes of any player in the NFL behind only Tyler Boyd. So, and by the way, Chase Claypool is less productive in the slot than Mooney on a per route basis, but he's also worse in outside than he is in the slot. The numbers suggest Chase, Chase Claypool is not a very good player, but if he comes in and is the primary slot receiver for Chicago, and we don't know what they'll do, by the way, we don't know Chicago Albert Breer said one of the reasons Chicago made this deal is they like Chase Claypool's inside outside versatility, okay? So I don't know what they're going to do with him, but from a fantasy perspective, if he kicks Mooney outside, this helps Darnell Mooney in my opinion and helps him become a better fantasy player. Justin Fields has started to figure it out a little bit. They've started to figure out this offense a little bit, but it is still the run heaviest offense in the NFL. I don't think there's going to be more than one consistently relevant fantasy option here. The numbers, to me, suggest that guy should be Mooney. They should kick him to the perimeter more and not play him in the slot as much. What numbers indicate Claypool's not very good? Well, he so he's among the league-worst players in yards per route run, both from the slot and outside. And he's one of the primary slot receivers in the NFL. He's run the second-most slot routes um, – of anybody in the league behind only Tyler Boyd. And like I said, Darnell Mooney averages, Darnell Mooney's been the Bears' primary slot receiver. He averages just 1.12 yards per route run inside, which is 85th most among receivers. Claypool's actually worse than that on a yards per route run basis. So the num- like every number after his rookie season on Chase Claypool suggests he's not a very good player. The Bears clearly see more potential. They clearly see the guy who scored 11 touchdowns as a rookie. We'll see if that's the case. If I were coaching the Bears, I would put Claypool in the slot and kick Mooney outside more, where Mooney's been one of the most effective receivers in the NFL. Speaking of effective, football season means it's Labatt Blue Light season. Let me just tell you, Labatt Blue Light is effective. There is no better way to watch your team on game day then with the pristine Canadian, which is where Chase Claypool's from, goodness of a cold Labatt blue light in hand. Stock up, be the MVP of your tailgate, share a Labatt on game day with your crew. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You guys saw I was all over the Labatt blue light Monday night during trick-or-treating. That was amazing. I'm assuming Chase Claypool drinks Labatt Blue Light because he's from Canada, and everybody should. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
What about the Dolphins, Joe? Yeah, they made a deal, um, a minor deal. Oh, I mean, well, they made a major deal, okay, for Bradley Chubb. But, but from a from a fantasy perspective, that's going to help their defense. We know that. Um, and obviously, Chicago is a team that is very susceptible to pressure. So, um, Justin Fields has a, na- a a tough matchup. But they did make a minor deal, and they traded a fifth round pick to get Jeff Wilson uh, from. And a fifth round pick is not nothing for a running back because they traded away Chase, Chase Edmonds. Jeff Wilson knows the offense. Mike McDaniel was the 49ers offensive coordinator last year. And while I don't anticipate he's going to come in here and take Raheem Mostert's job, it is notable that Mostert, you know, has had injury problems in his career. This is a serious upgrade on uh, on Chase Edmonds for Miami. And after the Christian McCaffrey trade, Wilson's value in San Francisco was completely nuked. He has a lot more value in Miami than he had in San Francisco after the McCaffrey trade. So Jeff Wilson, an under-the-radar transaction. But if Mostert goes down or maybe he slows down because of the injury history, Jeff Wilson can come in here and we can reasonably expect that he can put up really solid fantasy numbers if he gets a big role. Let's get to Carolina and Cincinnati. Anything else, Miami? I mean, Tyree Kill's just got a glorious matchup. Kyler Gordon, who was getting picked on in the slot for Chicago, um, has really cleaned up his game in the last, like, three or four weeks. This is going to be a welcome back to the NFL moment for Kyler Gordon. I would be putting Tyree Kill in your DFS lineups this week. I would be anchoring your DFS lineups with Tyree Kill. Carolina, Cincinnati, Joe? Um, I, I'll ask you another mea culpa on uh, on Deontay Foreman, who, you know, I was like, I have no interest in him, blah, blah, blah. You know, meanwhile, uh, I'm getting three touchdowns by him in a league where I'm second in scoring and currently seventh in the standings. Uh, that's very frustrating. I mean, for Carolina, P.J. Walker has given this offense life. It's really still only a two-man fantasy show. We'll see about Chuba Hubbard, by the way. But right now, I'm going to ride the hot hand. I'm going to play. There are six teams on by this week, by the way. So you're going to be playing some guys you don't necessarily want to. I'm going to play Deontay Foreman. I'm going to play DJ Moore. PJ Walker has given DJ Moore life. That is all I wanted. That is all we wanted was somebody who's going to throw the ball to DJ Moore. You know, they dealt away Robbie Anderson. It's opened up some targets, and PJ Walker is actually looking like a competent NFL quarterback, which is something that the Carolina Panthers did not have for the first, like, six or seven weeks of the season. So DJ Moore, Deontay Foreman, though we'll see about Chuba Hubbard. I don't know how they can go away from Foreman with how he's looked the last two weeks, though. Yeah, he's looked good. Really good. Cincinnati did not. No. Um... Rossi, you watched that that game on, on Monday night. I mean, look, Brian Burns is still in Carolina. Miles Garrett kicked kicked Jonah Williams' ass up and down that field. I mean, that was that was tough to watch. I don't know what what was your opinion there. Yeah, well, uh, Garrett's very very gifted, yeah. and I think Jonah Williams probably could have used more help. Is the is the nicest way to say that? Well, and I wonder <laughs> if they're going to give it because. If there is a way for Carolina to beat Cincinnati, if there's a way for Cincinnati, who was, by the way, Cincinnati was one of those teams where I'm like, this team's getting on the right track. If there's a way for Carolina to beat Cincinnati, it is going to involve Brian Burns kicking Jonah Williams' ass. Um, And I would hope Cincinnati gets him a little more help. I think you feel the the loss of, of Jamar Chase in that game. There is one thing that I do want to watch in this deal, in this game. I don't know if the uh, if the 
general populace has caught on to how good J.C. Horn, the Carolina corner, is. But he is really freaking good. He's been one of the most versatile corners in the sport. He plays both sides of the formation about equally and also goes into the slot 25% of the time. So he can follow around a versatile receiver like T. Higgins, who's run about 22% of his routes from the slot this year. And with Jamar Chase out, I think there's a better chance that you can a better chance that you can shadow one of Cincinnati's receivers, in which case it would be um a, a T. Higgins. JC Horn has been utterly spectacular this year. Over the last five weeks, he has allowed just point. Zero four fantasy points per coverage snap. Point zero four over the last five weeks. Ahead of, of behind only Jalen Ramsey defensively. Over that span, he has allowed a passer rating of a zero point zero. JC Horn is a big time NFL cornerback, and I think the matchup with T. Higgins this week is a fascinating one. Green Bay's playing Detroit. Detroit got their offense back, but their defense struggled. And Green Bay's offense still not doing much. Yeah, and I'm I'm a little concerned uh, about what Dan Campbell had some some points about DeAndre Swift asking, essentially saying, "Did I push him too much coming out?" At, given that he had only five carries, that's not a good sign. So I want to monitor DeAndre Swift's uh, uh, practice reports this week. TJ Hawkinson is traded. We'll talk more about that uh, when we get to Minnesota. Uh, but but uh, TJ Hawkinson dealt opens up potentially more targets here for Amon Ross St. Brown, who's already one of the biggest ball hogs in the NFL. So that's good news. For you dynasty players, though, I'm not sure this guy is going to be a redraft type of guy. But rookie tight end James Mitchell, he's a fifth rounder, made his first NFL catch last week, a 14-yard catch. He's athletic. Um, he had an interesting production profile. Uh, he was Scott Barrett, our guy at fantasypoints.com. He was his prospect models pre-combine number seven tight end uh, in this draft cycle. He is somebody to keep an eye on in dynasty dynasty leagues. His name is James Mitchell, but it's possible Brock Wright is their number one tight end. I'm just telling you to keep an eye on James Mitchell in the wake of the TJ Hawkinson trade. But the big question from a fantasy perspective this week will be the status of DeAndre Swift. What do his, his practice reports look like? What are the what are the comments coming out of Detroit say? So that's my that's my um, concern with the Detroit Lions this week against Green Bay. What about Green Bay, Joe? Didn't make a trade. Uh, there's uh, Brian Gutenkunst. He's become the uh, the Danny Ainge of the NFL. Oh, he almost made this trade. Like, he was right in the weeds on it. Um, apparently, the, the talk is they did offer a second-round pick to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool. But Pittsburgh got the offer from Chicago, and Chicago said, we'll give you our second-rounder, not the one Baltimore gave us for Roquan Smith. So, Pittsburgh evaluated and said, I think we think the Packers are the better team. So we're going to take the Bears second round pick. And that's probably the right call. Um, so Aaron Rodgers, you got to do it with the group you have. Uh, 
Now, the Packers' offense might be better than you think per Football Outsiders DVOA. They're actually eighth in the NFL right now, uh, believe it or not. But I do wonder just how much of that is because so many teams in the NFL are just downright bad. The quarterback play is quantifiably worse in the NFL this year than it has been in, in, in any recent seasons. Now, here is the good news, though. If you held on to Romeo Dobbs after that awful week seven and through Aaron Rodgers' comments, hey, some guys who aren't playing, they got to play more. Some guys who are playing, we got to cut their reps. Dobbs bounces back, scores an incredibly impressive touchdown in week eight. And you do have to remember at some point, despite all the hype that this guy got this offseason, he is a fourth round rookie. These guys don't produce as rookies very often. He has responded to a difficult situation pretty admirably. In, in, in my opinion, and the other the other thing to note here, A.J. Dillon, he's a handcuff right now. That's all he is. At, at Green Bay has realized that their best pathway to victory is to give Aaron Jones the ball as much as possible without making a deal at the trade deadline. That's going to continue for the Packers, in my opinion. Next game up here is Las Vegas against Jacksonville. Yuck and yuck, Joe. Other than Travis Etienne, I guess. Well, first and foremost, Travis Etienne. I want I want to point this out because we do we have um, numbers that measure uh, offensive line play at FantasyPoints.com, and one of the ways we do it is yards before contact per rush attempt for non quarterbacks. So essentially, it eliminates scrambles by far. The number one team in yards before contact per rush attempt over the last five weeks is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars running backs are averaging 3.5 yards before contact per rush attempt. And, and you might be sitting there thinking, man, I didn't think the Jaguars line was that good. And by, by football outsiders, average run blocking yards, it's not. It's mediocre. So I went back and I was like, why? Do you know what that is? That's a Travis Etienne stat. This guy is so explosive and so elusive that he is essentially skewing those numbers. Uh, at every week, 48 yards, zzz, right down the field, make a defender miss. So there is no contact. So if you go 48 yards without contact because you're outrunning the entire defense, it is going to skew those numbers. He is a superstar, and he's going to be the number one running back on a lot of fantasy teams that win their leagues this year. Um He's making a bad offense essentially look good. Um, I am concerned about Trevor Lawrence. I don't – You Ross, you had Greg Cosell on this podcast how many times leading up to last year's draft? And, when, and Greg was always consistent. He thought – he didn't think – he thought Lawrence was a good, very good prospect. But what is one thing he kept saying? He thought the generational tags were unfair to Trevor Lawrence. And my question is, Ross, you evaluate this stuff too. What is Lawrence's elite trait? Um, his hair. Yeah. And the fact that he was rated so high in high school and had so much success in college winning the national championship as a true freshman. And he doesn't have a – he has a good arm. He is decently mobile. He's tall. I mean, but – you know, like our guy Graham Barfield said he's Jared Goff with long hair. And look, you can win a lot of games with Jared Goff. Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. 
But right now, I see a very programmed player who is prone to making mistakes at the worst possible points. I think every single one of Lawrence's interceptions has come either in the red zone or with less than two minutes remaining in a half. So, like, you're he's literally throwing these back-breaking interceptions at the worst possible times. Um, uh, look, he's got to improve. Unfortunately, the Calvin Ridley trade doesn't help him this year. Um, that's an upgrade for Calvin Ridley in Dynasty, by the way. And it also is an upgrade uh, for Drake London and Kyle Pitts if the Falcons ever do decide to try the forward pass again. Um, but that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a discussion for another day. But flipping over to Vegas, by, com- by adjusted net yards per pass attempt, Derek Carr just played the third worst game of his career. They have a gu- they have Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, both of whom caught a hundred passes last year. And they're combining for two catches. What is this offense? They're running two back sets. The offensive line isn't good. So are they running two back sets to help offset how bad the offensive line is? I I think the right now Josh McDaniels is coaching from behind. Like he just doesn't have the answers right now. That was one of the single worst games I've seen. It might have been just in terms of talent and personnel and the fact that the Raiders were in a matchup against a team in New Orleans that has a decimated secondary, pound for pound the worst offensive performance I've seen all year. And I don't know how you trust Derek Carr right now. Do you have to play Devontae Adams? Yeah, you do. Darren Waller's Darren Waller, who knows when, when he's out there. Josh Jacobs has been so good, you got to play him. But, I mean, that's it for the Raiders. This team has way too much talent for this crap to be happening. And I think the offensive line is something that Josh McDaniels has struggled to, to account for. I got to tell you, I'm not, I would not be buying stock in either one of these teams, Raiders or Jags. I'm a big fan of Symbol. I love the ability to buy and sell pro and college teams like stocks and earn cash dividend payouts. I bought the Eagles before the season started. So I've gotten seven cash dividend payouts. Now you can try this with a $500 money back guarantee. Big fan of this app. Really mad. I didn't think of this. But download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store. Symbol and use code FANTASY. That's FANTASY to get your risk-free deposit up to $500. So maybe you're buying the Bears because you like fields now. Maybe you're buying in on the Jets. You think Zach Wilson will figure it out. I don't know. It's up to you. Symbol allows you to buy and sell team stocks and profit from your sports knowledge. Code Fantasy, App Symbol. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe Buffalo at the Jets. Okay, so we know 
we know who Buffalo is. Um, so I really wanted to use this opportunity to talk about Naeem Hines and this this trade that Buffalo made for Naeem Hines. Um, the Bills have been looking, Ross, for the perfect passing down back since the spring. They tried to sign Chase Edmonds. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick. They tried to trade for Christian McCaffrey multiple times. Then they drafted James Cook, and then they get Hines. And honestly, the compensation, in my opinion, was – surprising surprisingly low they traded zach moss and a sixth round pick zach moss is a zero the sixth round pick is is nothing and Hines can help them in multiple ways he can help them in the return game and it's easy to see why buffalo wanted naeem Hines. uh since he entered the league in 2018 he has 235 receptions that's sixth among all running backs behind alvin kamara mccaffrey eckler fournette and elliott those are all elite fantasy options, or at least at one point were elite fantasy options. And by pass rate over expectation, the Bills are tied with the Chiefs for the pass heaviest team in the NFL this year. And the fact that the Bills have so aggressively pursued someone in this role suggests that they want somebody who's a better receiver than Devin Singletary. Singletary's done an admirable job. He's the number 27 running back for fantasy right now, but you would have to think his role on passing downs is going to shrink. It's also a potential blow to Isaiah McKenzie, who's had an up-and-down year. As for Hines, I think he's a great flex in a really good spot. This is the pass-heaviest offense in the league. Um, And from a dynasty perspective, I know we don't talk dynasty often in season, but I do want to bring this up because this trade affects it. This looks, on paper, like a terrible blow for James Cook's dynasty value. But Hines is under contract through 2024, but the Bills can get out of it at no penalty after this season if they choose to do do so. Devin Singletary is going to hit the open market and become a free agent after this season. I would consider making a buy-low offer for James Cook because I think his value is only going to go up next season. I actually thought he started to look pretty good. Um, Buffalo wants a player they trust to help them get over the Super Bowl hump this year. That's probably not a slight at James Cook. It's just, hey, man, we just want somebody who we think is going to get us over the hump for this year. I would consider throwing out a buy-low offer for James Cook in Dynasty. What about the Jets, Joe? I know, Zach Wilson stinks, but what? Oh, man. And, like, here's the problem. Brees Hall goes down, and you're like, all right, well, Michael Carter, that run game, though, 7 for 26 for Carter. At least he caught four passes for 35 yards. But here is the thing. Yes, I do think the Jets are going to have to throw the ball from behind. But are you trusting Garrett Wilson? Are you trusting Tyler? You might need to play Conklin this week. He got two touchdowns last week because, you know, some of the tight end options who are on by this week. But, I mean, that was Zach Wilson throwing for 355 and two touchdowns in that game. That might be the emptiest 350 passing yard game I've ever seen. I mean, He's throwing some of the worst interceptions. I think Carter is like a low-end RB2, but James Robinson's role might increase. Conklin, you could stream him at tight end. I'm still not trusting any of these wide receivers. And Elijah Moore was essentially their fifth wide receiver. They didn't trade him. Uh, he's 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 not he, – He's he, I guess he's there. They're holding on to him. I would hope they increase his role. But with Zach Wilson throwing him the football, I'm not sure how much that matters. Last but not least, we got the Vikings and the Commanders. Literally, while we're recording this, Joe, the Commanders put out a statement that Daniel and Tanya Snyder are engaging Bank of America 
to consider potential transactions, whatever that means. That means they're going to trade Taylor Heineke for a first-round pick. No, uh, uh, I think that means they're exploring the sale of the franchise, Ross. That is a question for Andrew Brandt. <laughs> um, I guess they could they could sell half the team. They could sell 25% of the team. They could sell the whole team. I don't know. Uh, one, one note on the commanders. Uh, they have activated Ch- Chase Young's window, um, and his return could help what's been a pretty mediocre pass rush. But you, you got to remember, Heineke has kind of given this team life. Terry McLaurin loves him. Um, he's been putting up numbers the last couple of weeks with Heineke in there. And one of the things that I think is very interesting is, yes, Brian Robinson is their lead runner. But the move of Brian Robinson into the lineup to handle the between the tackles, like banging um, those tough yards, he's averaging just 3.2 yards per carry, but it's also opened up Antonio Gibson in the passing game. And this is like, the best Antonio Gibson has looked in the NFL, quite frankly. Get him in space. Get him out against linebackers and safeties. This guy was a slot receiver in college, and he's kind of like getting more calorie-rich touches than Brian Robinson is. Brian Robinson's return to the lineup, ironically, has opened up Antonio Gibson's fantasy value. And I kind of like him as as like an RB2 in PPR this particular week because Minnesota's run defense is really good. So I think getting... Gibson out there on the flats, getting them on angle routes and wheel routes is probably a better way for them to deploy their backfield this week against the Minnesota Vikings. So shouts to Antonio Gibson and shouts to um, Washington for some quality coaching. They're doing some good things uh, there with Antonio Gibson, putting him in a position to win. And Taylor Heineke, you know, he's got a lot of flaws. I think Hanson calls him hospital ball Heineke, which has some validity to it. But credit to Heineke. Um, he's got he's got this team playing with some energy. Also, Logan Thomas might return to the field um, uh, and become a stream worthy tight end here in the in the coming weeks as his as his role ramps up from a calf injury. Also, uh, Jahan Dotson. We'll see if he returns to practice this week as well. What about the Vikings, Joe? Okay. Same thing every week, right? Well, right, but oh, but Hawkinson. Yep, yep, yep. So the Vikings are normally the easiest team for me to talk about every week, but uh, look. Here's the thing. I don't know if Minnesota makes this deal if Irv Smith doesn't go down and, and it's a potentially a severe high ankle sprain. Um, they're, they're thinking potentially eight to ten weeks, which at this point could take them out for the rest of the season. Uh, Minnesota's essentially been using Irv Smith and Johnny Munt in a rotational kind of role. Smith has been the receiving tight end and Munt more of the blocker. As a matter of fact, um, the Munt-Smith kind of distribution has been a play call tell for Minnesota. Munt plays on 68% of their run snaps, while Irv Smith had played on 64% of their passing snaps, and Irv was basically exclusively their red zone receiving tight end as well. Here is the problem for Hawkinson. His season-low snap share is 76%. Irv Smith's season-high snap share is 64 so the question becomes, does Hawkinson just come in and immediately take Irv Smith snaps, which is actually a downgrade in snaps? Or does Minnesota see him as more than that? And you would think, given the fact that they traded second and third round picks for him, they do see him as more than that. But I'm not sure his snap share is going to increase dramatically over what Irv Smith was doing. Um, Hawk, though, is simply a more gifted receiver than Irv Smith. So I feel like there could be, it could be more consistent for him in a more consistent and more efficient and better offense. There is more competition for targets here 
in Minnesota, though. So there's a lot of layers to this onion. He's the number four tight end for fantasy right now, and I would probably think this is a slight downgrade, maybe lateral move for him. But it also is notable that unlike in Detroit, where Amon Ross St. Brown was his top target competition, the top target competition in Minnesota are outside players in Jefferson and Thielen and not necessarily an inside slot receiver like it was for St. Brown. So there is a lot of things to unpeel here. I'm going to take this as kind of a fantasy neutral move for this year, but obviously Minnesota traded a pretty decent price for a player that they think is more than that. So Hawkinson, one of the more fascinating trades. I'm not sure it's a big shakeup for fantasy, maybe a little bit of a boost to Kirk Cousins, but um, just from a football standpoint, from a utilization standpoint, probably the most fascinating trade that went down uh, on, uh, on Tuesday. Let's do one more, Joe. I forgot Colts Patriots. Well, the Colts traded uh, Naeem Hines uh, away, and Jonathan Taylor's got this ankle injury. It doesn't feel good. Go pick up Deion Jackson. Like, just he's gotta he's gotta be rostered here. N- not just as a handcuff, but like he's a handcuff where there's actual reason to 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 roster him. Jonathan Taylor's getting his ankle retaped and all that jazz. So that's something. Uh, that that I think is important, especially since we know Indianapolis is going to be a run-heavy team uh, going forward. Their offense still looks broken. They fired their offensive coordinator. Um, Michael Pittman, even without Matt Ryan, is getting these low dot targets. He's 7 for 53 on nine, 9 targets. He's like a wide receiver 3 right now. Alec Pierce is a, is a viable guy, but this cold offense, I, I mean, they are throwing everything at the wall right now. Um, to see what, what what sticks, and I think I think Frank Reich is uh is uh on his last on on his last uh, strings here uh of uh, hanging on to this job. Uh, as for the Patriots, did you know Jacoby Myers is the number fifteen wide receiver in all of fantasy? No, and I think that's much more of a. I mean, first and foremost, he's playing really well. But it's also much more of kind of an indictment of fantasy in general this year. Again, the quarterback play dragging everything down. Um, but he's he's a weekly starter right now and a really damn good one. And Ramondre Stevenson, I can't I can't say enough about this guy. Right now, he's kind of like uh, Scott Barrett put it really interestingly. Right now, he's like sixty percent of Legarrette Blunt plus seventy percent of James White. It's a role that we really haven't seen from a New England running back, maybe since Corey Dillon. But he's so much more effective than Damian Harris, and I would really hope that Bill Belichick realizes that going forward because he's got a bona fide superstar in his hands. Joe, you are a bona fide superstar, and we've got four more games. Is that it? Only four games. There's only two oh. games. I have the uh, I have the 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 Sirius XM game day show on Sunday. We air it from one to seven. Me and me and Paul Kelly, we're gonna have to find something to talk about in the late window. For us, there's only two games in the late window. That is amazing. Well, we'll talk about those two and the Sunday nighter and the Monday nighter on part two of the Fantasy Feast podcast. Time for dessert. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.